Hello and welcome to the Hashtag Truth Challenge podcast where I talk about the whole truth and nothing but the truth in regards to young adulthood, mental health, and relationships. So today I am specifically going to be doing kind of like a story time 2019 up until now a review I guess on like how my year has been literally since like March of last year up until this point. So, um a lot of things happened in 2019. Overall, I would describe 2019 as trash. Um it was not good. It was not something that I enjoyed. Although I learned a lot about myself, the people that I was connected to, um I just learned a lot in 2019, but it was not my preference of how I learned these things. So let's start from the beginning. So, and it's kind of funny how literally this is like exactly one year ago. So around like March or so of last year, um, and I would say even like a few months before that, going back into 2018, I was, um, I just felt off and I felt like I really didn't know like my purpose. I really didn't know who I was or what was happening around me. And I didn't understand the relationships that I was in friendship wise. Um, I was a part of a ministry that I had been a part of since I had moved to Florida. And I was really just trying to figure out my place and figure out what was going on. So in the process of this, um, I was starting to get burnout and I was super involved in church. I sang on the worship team in pretty much in church every time the doors open. I was experiencing a lot of sickness in my body. If you listen to my last podcast, that was like directly related to uh, my anxiety and just a bunch of other stuff that was manifesting itself as physical ailments. And so Um, I'm going through this burnout where I'm just like tired and I feel like I'm giving so much of myself to this ministry and this, this mission, and I'm not getting anything back. Like I'm just giving and I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm participating, but I'm not being filled or refreshed or revived in this ministry. And so I'm experiencing some burnout. And I talked to a very close friend of mine and I tried to tell her repeatedly about how tired I was and how I just needed to take a break and I just needed to remove myself and just kind of take care of myself for a while. And her response, which was one that I semi expected because of just how I know her and our friendship over the years, but also one that I wasn't quite expecting because there was so much backlash. Backlash. So when I told her about just my feelings of burnout and tiredness, and I was really just sad overall because I didn't know what was going on or, or why certain things were happening in my life. And her response was, you need to come to church Um, there's no reason for you not to be in church pretty much. Um, you, you just need to be at church. Like you're tired, but that's no excuse. Um, you, you want to stay home. I'm not staying home. I'm still here. 
you and it was just it just got like really non-supportive it was like it was her point of view or no view and although we saw eye to eye on a lot of things when it came down to mental health and self-care that was where we kind of had differences and not kind of a lot of because Anytime I made any type of effort, not to necessarily separate myself from church, but simply take care of myself in a way that did not involve going to church, it was kind of frowned upon. And so I was just very um, sad about that. And I felt very lonely. I felt like no one understood how I was feeling. And what was worst of all was that I didn't understand why I was feeling like how I was feeling. And it was directly related to, once again, me giving too much of myself, not receiving anything back. And just this religious mentality um, of this ministry that I was a part of. And then seeing the religiousness, seeing that I was a part of it and realizing that I had... um, just come and meshed myself with this mindset and I just wasn't happy. I was not growing spiritually for a long time. And once I began to realize that I was trying to figure out what the next steps were, but I was so attached to this ministry and the people a part of it that I couldn't see myself aside from it, but I knew that it was necessary. So fast forward, maybe like a month or so, Some things are happening in the ministry. Um, We had a pastor come in, take over the ministry, and our founding pastor was still there. But then they decided that they were going to separate and start their own separate ministry. Now, at this point, and I believe at the time, I was back in Michigan for my mom's retirement. And so all of these things are going on and I had like this kind of week to kind of take a break, but not really because I was still like, you know, around a lot of family and doing things and, you know, entertaining people. But I decided at that point that this was something that I did not want to be a part of. Now, did I just up and leave um, instantly? No. Did I tell anybody at the time? No, because I wanted to make sure that I was making the right decision for myself. And because I really do care so much about the opinions of people that are close to me, I didn't tell them either because I wanted to make sure that I was doing this for me and not being swayed by the the thoughts and opinions of close friends and family. So when I found out that we were going to separate and start another church, I, I was just so turned off and just not, I just wasn't with it. I was like, what in the world are we doing? Like literally nothing made sense. Um, something was just off about it. And I knew that if I told them like my intentions that I, I just don't want to be a part of this anymore, they probably would have went into like this whole like (laughs) war room thing into prayer about you know making me stay and it was pretty it it would have been just like manipulation to try to make me stay um so I thought about this for maybe like a month or so as all of this was going on 
And I finally came to the decision of letting everyone know that I would not be a part of the ministry anymore. And as I had already assumed, there was a lot of question behind it. There was a lot of uncertainty behind it. Um, it was just it was just the reaction that I expected. But in the process of doing this, y'all, I felt so free. I felt like for once I was actually making a decision for myself and not based on the people around me and what would ease them. Um, I didn't think about my position. Well, who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Who's going to do it? The thing is, somebody is going to do it. Like the running of a ministry of a, or of a church is not dependent upon me and I should not have to take on that responsibility, especially when things are just off, especially spiritually, like in general. So I felt very good about my decision. I felt, um, like I said, I felt free. I felt like, okay, I'm actually getting somewhere and I'm going to get out of this religious cycle that I feel like I'm in. So in this process, um, it was hard. It was a good decision, but it was a hard decision because I was leaving such familiar things. I was leaving um, a church that I had been a part of for four or five years and, you know, a friendship that I had developed over that same amount of time. My only friend, my only sense of family that I had, and I was leaving all of that um, just for so many reasons. And I felt like it was the literally one of the best decisions I've ever made. It was a hard one, but it was a good one, if y'all understand what I'm saying. So I experienced just like toxic friendships and just toxic religion, because I believe religion is a good thing um, when you really get down to the core of what religion is. But it's also toxic because we just as humans, we put all of our stuff on what God says and about how he says we should do it and how we should do church. And we have all of our, our rules and our expectations that we put on that. And it makes it, it makes it toxic. And so after I left the ministry, of course, I was searching for another church home. I visited lots of churches in Daytona. Um, and the one that my original church spoke against, which they spoke against a, a lot of churches and not like um, tearing them down necessarily, but basically like this comparison of like, oh, well, it's not like our church and it's not like what we do and where is God? And they got this going on. Is God in that? And is God in this? And so literally Again, this religious mentality of thinking we have so much Jesus and so much Holy Spirit and we have such a great experience and that no other church in the area does. That was so toxic. And it almost kept me from joining the church that was going to end up helping me the most. So eventually I began going to um, another church, shout out to Calvary Christian Center. I love that church. And I literally almost didn't go or join just because of the things that the people around me spoke 
about it. But I love that church. If you are ever in Florida or in the Daytona area, um, actually it's in Ormond, please go to Calvary Christian Center. It is wonderful. Okay. So, um, I joined this church and in these few months, and this is between like March and like September, October-ish, um, I experienced along with like all of this like goodness and newfound freedom, there was also this loneliness and depression and anxiety uh, just because the enemy knows when you're weak and he knows what to try you with. He knows when to try you. He knows how to try you. And that's exactly what happened because I didn't have the stability that I thought I had. Like everything that I knew about God, I learned from my previous church. Um, and I felt like because of my eyes being open to really what was happening, that that, that foundation that I thought I had had crumbled and I was going through this whole crisis of just like okay just having such a bad church experience I was like I don't even know if I want to be saved anymore I don't know if I want to know God anymore because if this is what knowing God is and if this is what Christianity is I don't want it I don't want it at all like I was debating like do I want to be a Christian do I love God like I know I love God I know I need him and I was just constantly like teeter-tottering on these thoughts. And so I was lonely because I was alone <laughs> and um, I was depressed. I had struggled with depression. Um, I've kind of always struggled with depression. Like usually when something dramatic happens in my life, I get depressed for some type of reason. Um, and it's not like a seasonal depression. It's just kind of a situation by situation type thing, which I've kind of struggled with since like high school, I would say. And it hasn't been anything that had worried me up until this point. So I'm lonely. I'm depressed. Um, I'm having anxiety about the future, but at the same time, I'm taking steps necessary to help myself. So instead of spending all of my time moping and crying and sleeping and just thinking about how lonely and depressed and anxious I am, I start doing things that I know that I need to do to help myself, right? So I'm going to church and I start um, getting involved in growth track and I'm just sitting back and I'm letting God minister to me instead of trying to hurry up and be a part of things. So I did growth track, which essentially is where you learn about the church and the foundation of it and uh, what their mission is and all those good things. And you learn about all the things that you could be a part of, but you don't necessarily have to do it right at that point. And so during this time, I, I'm just allowing God to fill me in these few months. Um, I'm not feeling better, but I know that going to church is helping me to some extent and having someone pray for me and and help me and minister to my spirit is helping me be better than I would have been. Um, another thing that I did was I started going to therapy sessions. So um, that was helping. I believe in therapy and Jesus. You need prayer 
and you need a professional. I believe that wholeheartedly. I feel like a lot of times we just pray over stuff, but we don't really get to the root of why something is happening in our life and in our minds and our hearts and our souls. And so I decided that was going to be another active step for me to um, help myself. Um, And during these few months, like I said, from about March to like September or October, my friend my friends left so i had um two friends shout out to jasmine and tasha i have two friends that lived in daytona and we went to school together and i've known them literally for like years and during this time where i was like separating from this church and i was kind i was kind of just in this like weird spot they helped me and they were there for me so, so, so much. And I appreciate them for literally like being the backbone that I needed during that time. But then the sad part about it was they were leaving and they were both moving to Atlanta um, during that time as well. So once they left, like I felt even more lonely And so I was like happy that everyone's, you know, moving on and getting out of Daytona, you know, after we've graduated from high school or not high school, college. And now we're just all like doing our own thing. Like, I'm happy for y'all, but I'm also like sad that y'all aren't going to like be here. Like, I can't drive over like when I need you or, you know, for all of us to like gather and pray together. Like, I can't do any of those things. So I'm lonely, but now I'm lonelier because I don't have my friends. And so I was just really having a hard time where I couldn't get out of this funk because my spirit wasn't in the condition to really figure out what it was that was happening in my life and to be strong about what was happening and to be prepared for what was happening. I just felt like I was just in this in-between space of just like not knowing what life was, who was God, who am I, what am I here for, why is this happening, and when will I feel better? I remember telling my therapist at one point, and I was like, I'm starting to understand why certain things are happening, but I don't get why I don't feel better yet. Like the things that once made me happy aren't making me happy or making me feel better anymore like I just I just don't feel okay and I want to feel okay again I just want to feel better again and I don't know how to and even with having such a bad experience with um church and church people and quote-unquote Christians I kind of start I started to blame God a lot and if I'm being totally honest, I'm still kind of in that space where like, I can't really get close to God like how I want to, because I don't want to turn into the people that I saw or the person that I was like, in my mind, being close to God equals this over religious Christian. Literally, that's my thought process even at this point in time. And so I struggle with really spending time with God and being intimate with him and um, just doing the things that I know will strengthen my spirit because I'm so afraid to turn into 
this person that I don't want to be. And so I'm still struggling, struggling with that. Like I'm still recovering. And then on top of that, like I had been celibate for, um, about seven years, dare I say eight years since 2013, I had been celibate. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing right by God. Um, you know, I'm going to have some type of love life because I've committed my body to God and I've, you know, made this commitment to refrain from sexual activity because I know this pleases God. And I know that when I do things that please God, I'm blessed. And so in the midst of all of this going on, I'm also wondering to myself, like, is celibacy even worth it? Like, I haven't been with anybody. Like, I I have no, like, male relationships that, like, interest me. I just, is this worth it? Because I still, I feel like I don't have anything. Mind you, that year before, um, bought a condo, uh, last year, my mom, um, well, my parents, not just my mom, my mom and my dad bought me a car. And in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, yes, I own a home. Yes. I have a brand new car. Like, yes, I have a good job. All my bills are paid, but those are not the things that I want. Like I want a stable church home. I want my friends and I want, you know, a romantic relationship or companionship. Like I want connection with people more than I want material things. And so I was upset, like, bruh, nothing is worth, like, I can't have nothing. Like I don't have no church home and I'm trying to get acquainted like with the church. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm trying, like, I'm trying, I'm trying to do what I feel like I know I need to do to be better and nothing is happening. My friends are leaving. Like I don't have any friends. I don't have anybody. I don't have any family here. And even during this time, I thought about moving back home to Michigan and I was like, but ain't nothing there. What I'm going to do when I get there? Like Michigan is so well, Flint is so boring. Like I just can't do it. And so I had these feelings once again of just like loneliness and depression and anxiety about the future and the lack of a love life. And I was just doomed to be alone. And my spirit was just weak because I wasn't giving God that one-on-one time or the prayer that would strengthen me and allow me to push through this, this tough season. But even though I couldn't like get to that place specifically, I still knew that I needed God. So every day, the only prayer that I was capable of praying was just like, God help me. Like, that's all I could say. And I'm kind of getting a little emotional because I couldn't say anything else. Everything was just like tears. And even then he would remind me that like, he saw my tears and he's even though my 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 mouth couldn't form the words to be able to pray the prayer or give the thanks that I needed to give he heard my heart's cry and he reminded me of that on so many occasions and then in this cycle of condemnation just being like dang God's still talking to me letting me know that he hears my heart but still I can't bring myself to give him that time and that commitment that he deserves it was just like a vicious cycle that I 
I'm still kind of in right now. So, um, fast forward, like to the end of the year, actually the beginning of this year, that whole celibacy thing was like over, like over, over. I was like, I don't care no more. Y'all, um, somebody about to get it out here. And that was my whole logic. I was like, I don't care no more. Everything sucks. I'm going to have sex. So I did. Um, and let me back up just a little bit. So last year, um, a coworker and I were talking, shout out to Zakaya. She, um, let me know that, um, she was taking out her next planon implant, which is a birth control. And there have just been a lot of, um, stories about it causing so many, um, mental like illnesses and just fluctuations in your body and in your emotions and just stuff you don't want happening due to this birth control. And because I had dealt with depression and anxiety for so long, and even at this point to levels that I wasn't used to, I was like, okay, this, cause I also had the next Nexplanon implant. I was like, okay, this might be something that I need to do as well. And it was something that I had already been thinking about, but, but you know, our mamas be like, you need to be on birth control, blah, 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 blah. Even though I had told my mom since I moved to Florida that I was not sexually active, she ain't care. She didn't believe me. She was like, you getting this birth control because you're not coming home with no babies, period. So that's what I did. I just kept it in because my mom wanted to keep me in it and it was on the insurance. And basically, like I was about to turn 26. So she was like, get this implant so you can still have this birth control implant even after you're off, off our insurance. And so I did. But... Um, when Zakaya and I were talking about the effects of like this birth control and I was just thinking about all the fluctuations in my emotions and all the up and down, like, and not that it was the cause, but it wasn't helping anything either because I was already going through a lot. Y'all, when I tell you after I took out this birth control, I felt good. Like, of course it didn't fix everything or really anything really but I just I felt a difference I'll just say that okay I thought about that as I was talking about celibacy and not being celibate fast forward to the beginning of this year we're in 2020 I decided to be sexually active if you are in my close friends on Instagram I have already told this story to um to the extreme okay so um and it wasn't like a habitual thing, really. Like, I literally had sex, like, twice. And then I was just like, okay, yeah, this isn't really doing anything. Because what was happening was I was trying to fill a void, which we all, I feel like we all do this. Like, sex was just there for the moment. Like, it took me out of my mind circumstances for the moment. It took me out of myself for a moment. But then right after I felt <laughs> the same again and I already knew that was going to happen, but I did it anyway because I decided I was going to do what I wanted to do. But getting the results that I also expected to get, but then being upset about the results. Insanity. I know. Don't come for me. So um, and, and I know that what I want out of life or out of a man is like real companionship 
I want to be vulnerable. I want to be committed. I want communication. I want um, just the companionship of it all. And even though like sex is cool and all, I was just like, yeah, this this is not what I actually want out of life or a relationship or what whatever it was. So that came to an end. So fast forward to about end of January, February, my mom and I are talking and she's like, um, hey, you know, I like your house and everything, but like, I really want you to have a garage and I really want you to be in a different area. Um, so what do you think about looking for something else? And I was like, okay like I was very content with where I was I liked my condo it was very cute everything was you know updated new appliances marble countertops like I love my little condo but I also understood what my mom was saying but also in that same token I said to myself if I'm going to buy another home it's not gonna be in Daytona like I'm just not about to be moving all around Daytona like I just I can't do it So I started thinking about other places that I wanted to go. And I was like, I'm either going to go to Atlanta or Houston. Those were the only places I could think of that were like a city vibe. And I could just really like start over. Um, I didn't choose Atlanta because I felt like everybody goes to Atlanta. Like literally all my friends live in Atlanta and like, yes, I want to be around my friends and everything, and it's cool for all of, all of us to be in the same area, but I'm also one of those people that's like, if everybody's going to do something, I'm going to go do the opposite, um, just because I I like new experiences, and I like to go places that nobody has been or are going, which is why I made the move to Florida to go to school. Like nobody was really moving out of state to go to school. A lot of people were staying in Flint or going to Lansing, East Lansing, Ypsilanti, places like that. So um, I've always been that person to kind of like go against the grain. So I chose Houston just because I was like, I don't feel like a lot of people are going to Houston. Not saying nobody's going to Houston, but I don't feel like a lot of people are going to Houston. So I decided on Houston, we started looking for houses and then my mom and I both came to the conclusion that it was better to first find an apartment, get acquainted with an area um, and not be committed to a house just in case I don't like it. So once I decided on a city, my mom was like, you can move whenever you want to as long as you have a job. So I started looking for jobs. Um, I am a registered behavior technician, um, which is a job you can get pretty much anywhere. And um, I applied some places. And one thing that has never happened to me, when I've applied for jobs, I've never received a uh, an interview request for every job. But for this Literally every place that I rep- uh, I applied, I received a request to do an interview. And so there was one place in particular that I really, really wanted to work because it was salaried and I looked online and at everything that they offered and everything that they had for like the kids and just everything about it was 
what I wanted. And I'm like, okay, God, this is where I want to work. Like, this is the job that I want. This I don't care who else is offering me whatever. I want this job. And so it took some time just because of the interview process, but I ended up getting the job. And as soon as I got the job, I put my two weeks in and I was ready to go. So between that two weeks, I found an apartment, found a moving moving company, and here I am in Houston, Texas now, specifically North Houston in the spring area. And um, just started my new job last week, and I'm going to be, uh, yeah, working and leading, leading my own sessions here in this next coming up week. And so I was just super excited, and I still am really excited to just start over and just like learn a new environment, be around people, and just like start over, like a fresh start, like clean slate. So I'm excited about that. Now, am I homesick? Absolutely. Like, I miss the familiarness of Daytona. Not Daytona specifically because it wasn't really a whole lot there for me to enjoy. But just being familiar with people, places, and things. And a church that I was starting to get acquainted with. And so... um like yesterday and today, like I really started to get kind of sad because I was like, man, like I don't know anybody and like I'm not familiar with this area. Like I'm I'm homesick. And so I had to remind myself that it takes work to get acquainted with the area. It takes work to make connections and friendships and it just takes work. And like I knew that, but I also wasn't prepared to do all of that so now I'm thinking about you know how I'm going to put myself out there and be vulnerable to create the connections and the friendships and the networking that I want in my life um I want to apologize in advance to all my new co-workers I know none of you listen at this point um and you also don't really know me like that but I like I said I want to apologize in advance for the social awkwardness that I am bringing y'all it's been my first week it's just it, I'm just awkward I just come to the conclusion that I'm awkward and I get like social anxiety and I start like fumbling over my words and I start saying stuff that doesn't make sense and then I'm also trying to like like analyze and kind of feel the room so I can gauge like you know how extra or not extra to be and you know people also still learning me and trying to understand like my sense of humor and just trying to learn everybody and learn the environment so I can fit in my lane and stay in my lane if y'all get what I'm saying but before we get there I am just awkward (laughs) okay I am awkward and just strange McGee I apologize in advance um so it's going to take work that's all I can say about it like 
2019 was so trash to me, y'all. But I literally, I learned so much about myself. And literally, 2019 brought me to this point of making this podcast and wanting to talk about young adulthood and it just being like so trash sometimes and relationships and how we just don't do them right and we don't communicate well and we don't have boundaries and we don't say how we feel and it was just a challenge for me for like years almost to just be able to tell the truth and have safety in truth because your truth is not safe with everybody in 2019 taught me that some people will not like your truth they won't like they just won't and they don't want to tolerate all of you i understood that more than ever in 2019 and so 2019 was rough and it was hard and it was uh, worrisome and there was a lot of trial and tribulation and storm after storm after storm after storm but it brought me into purpose and it brought me into another level of self-actualization which is why I call myself now Tamia 2.0 shout out to um Melissa on um the love hour podcast Listen, I got through 2019 listening to the Love Hour podcast where she had therapists on there and doctors on there. And she was just telling her truth and being unapologetically herself. And that helped me so much. And it also helped me to realize that I could do the same thing. And I found a passion in listening to her podcast and her her husband's podcast, um, Kev on Stage, and all of his platforms like it was just funny and listening to all deaf digital stuff and basically it was all just comedy. Like literally that was the only thing that got me through 2019 laughing at um, Kevin and listening to Melissa's podcast about just discovering new parts of herself and how to feel and just how to be like just how to authentically be. And so now I'm at this point where I'm still learning that. I'm still learning um, and figuring out different parts of myself and who I am and who I want to be and how do I want to express myself. And even in the way that I dress and I wear my hair and the way that I carry myself and the energy that I want to bring to my job and the energy I want to bring to the people around me and just this experience of who I am that I want to create. I'm learning all of that 2019 was trash, but it catapulted me into the next version of myself. Y'all, it really did. And I said before I left, another shout out to Sierra, um, a previous uh, co-worker of mine. I miss you dearly. But I was telling her, I feel like there are things waiting for me in Houston. And even though I'm a little homesick right now, I still believe that. I still believe that um god has just set things up for me and um my basically just my 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 faith or whatever little bit of faith that i have left my faith to just like move and just do something different and and do something like daring just moving to another city where you don't know anybody you don't have any family nothing just daring to be different that something is waiting for me here and 
I'm excited to see what God is going to do in this 2020. Listen, coronavirus ain't stopping me. Do you hear me? I am healed, healthy, and whole in Jesus' name. Okay, I plead the blood of Jesus over my body. I hope y'all are out there pleading the blood of Jesus over your body, over your family, over your workplace, over your school, whatever environment you go into. I hope you are pleading the blood of Jesus out here because Corona ain't stopping nothing. Do you hear me? 2019 was trash. I'm still recovering. I'm better, but I'm still healing y'all. And I'm, I'm, I can only get better. That's the whole thing. I can only get better. So 2020 is still my year. This decade is still my decade. Um, coronavirus ain't stopped nothing. Do you hear me? As long as y'all out here washing y'all hands, drinking water, and minding y'all business, all is well. <laughs> That's the whole story. So listen, this has been another episode of Hashtag Truth Challenge. Y'all will see me back with another episode toward the end of the month. Um, and I'll probably have another uh, topic. Um, I want to start having guests. I want to start having professionals. And yeah, y'all can check me out on um, iTunes podcast, hashtag truth challenge, or the link is in my bio on Instagram. My Instagram name is Tamia Salise. That's Tamia Salise, T-A-M-I-A-S-A-L-I-C-E. That is my first and middle name. So check me out. Share this podcast. Leave me a review. Leave me a rating. Give me some feedback, a comment. Whatever you can, I appreciate it greatly. And for all of y'all that have listened and are still listening or have listened, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. I truly love and appreciate all of y'all that have supported me. I will be back with more episodes. Thank you for listening.